You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. You know, this was one of those weeks where I pulled out what I had prepared for this Sunday, and the Lord said to me, that's not what I want you to say. So on your bulletins, it says, new wine, new wineskins. We're not going to talk about that today. Not just yet. Someday, we may. Today, I want to speak to you about what it means to get out of the boat. So turn with me if you have your Bibles, or you can write this down in your notes, to Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22. Let me just read the passage, and then we'll dive into it. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. But when evening came, he was there alone. The boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, so Jesus spends all night praying, right? And he wakes up basically right before dawn, and he goes out to them, went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, it's me, guys, don't be afraid. And, and then a little bit of a departure from what you would normally expect, okay? Peter speaks up. How Matthew hears Peter in the storm, I'm not sure. This is how he hears the story, and he records it. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on, let's go. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And then when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Pray with me for a moment. Lord, you put it on my heart this week to share these words. And so what your people need to hear today, I pray they would hear. That through the words that are spoken today, they would hear the most important word, which is yours, to their lives. We thank you for this story that gives us a picture of what it means to follow you and to pursue you through the storms of life. In Jesus' name. Amen? And amen. How many of you like being on boats? How many of you are like, when you think about it, you get seasick? <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, years ago, before I was even a pastor, we were with uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and me and my wife, and we were in Mexico. And... Uh, we decided, this was like in October, we decided we are going to go fishing, take a charter boat out fishing. Well, just the four, you know, just four of us. And, and so we took this boat, but it was October, and the weather, it was kind of like, you know, we're, we weren't sure, are they going to allow us to do this? Because we, we scheduled and made the reservation, but the weather didn't look all that pleasant. Well, you know, they said, well, I think it should be fine. So, so we took this little, like, 25-foot little charter boat, fishing boat out, about maybe 14, 15 miles away from the shore, right? 
And halfway through the day, like we're fishing, like, and it's not calm, right? It's, it's nice for a little bit, but when they stop the motor, all of a sudden you start to feel, hey, there's something not right about this picture. So we're there, <laughs> and uh, the, the lines are in the water, and the boat's just doing this. Right? And all of a sudden, the wind starts picking up, and before you know it, I'm looking. I feel like I'm in an episode of Deadliest Catch, man. Right? I'm going, this isn't right. So I, it's funny because, like, my wife, don't tell her I told you this, she's in the bathroom because she's not doing very well. <laughs> and so, this is a great fishing story, by the way, and it's all true. Uh, so the, my mind goes to my brother-in-law because I remembered that he can't swim. And so I go, where are the life vests? Where are the life vests? And so I go, dude, you better put on your life vest, man, because I'm already thinking the worst, man. These swells, I kid you not, I, I don't know how to measure swells, but they, they felt like they were at least maybe eight to ten feet high in a small, like, fishing boat. And I was thinking, man, we're going to, like, you ever have those thoughts? Ever have those, like, you know what? I'm good with God. You know, we didn't have any kids at that time. You know, I'm good with the Lord. I was just concerned about my brother-in-law. How's he going to, like, we're all going to go to heaven together today, you know? The swells were crazy. And um, anyway, they, we caught one fish. It was a barracuda. We got back to shore, like, thanking Jesus for land, you know, (laughs) We worship you, Lord. Truly, you are the Son of God, you know. And uh, I remember just thinking, we need to eat this fish as a celebration <laughs> of the Lord's goodness to us today. <laughs> what was supposed to be a fishing trip, a, like pleasant, enjoyable fishing trip, turned out to be a struggle for survival. And it's, isn't it funny, like, how sometimes in life, everything can seem to go really well. And your boat, metaphorically speaking, is a, is a means of transportation when life is going well. We're just needing to get there. But when the waters of life get rough, all of a sudden the boat that you're in becomes a zone for safety and comfort. And I want you to notice how Matthew, when he writes this gospel account, about how he like challenges the assumptions about where God should be when the storms of life start to rage. Because our assumption is when the storms of life come, God should be with me in my boat. But notice where God is in the story. Jesus is not, in fact, in the boat. He is walking on the stormy waters. And Matthew, like, paints this profound picture of Christian discipleship, like what it means to follow Jesus and pursue Jesus through the storms of life. And in fact, I I, I go further. I think the passage is actually challenging us and challenging our assumption and understanding of what is really safe. When life's storms start to swell, the safest place really is not in the comfort of our own little boat. 
The safest place is actually out on the water with Jesus. So tell the person next to you, step out of your boat. Step out of your boat. I want to focus this morning not on the storms, but I want to focus this morning on your boat. Because the storms of life are going to come and go. We all go through them. We're all too familiar with, you know, storms, right? Whatever that might be. Problems, unexpected challenges, difficult relationships, trials, sickness, financial struggle, you name it. But the issue really here is not the storm. The issue is the boat. What does it mean to step out of our boat? Let me give you a few ideas. First thought is, to step out of your boat means you need to choose between false comfort, say false comfort, and true growth. Or in this case, the risk of pursuing Jesus on the stormy waters. Choosing between false comfort and true growth. Notice that in the story, what happens in general is Peter calls out to Jesus, if it's you, let me come. And Jesus says, come on. And he steps out and he starts to walk on the water, but then he starts to sink. And he's panicking probably, Jesus, help me, save me. The question I want you to consider is, when Peter sinks, does Peter fail? We, we are all familiar with the experience of failure. How many of you ever failed a test in school? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Some of you failed tests in life, you know. Some of you have failed marriages in your history, failed relationships. Some of you know what it's like to fail your parents, disappointing them. Some of you have experienced what it's like to have a failed business and to walk through the financial difficulty of all that, right? Let's just have a mass confession right now. We've all experienced failure, amen? We all have. If you get out of the boat, it's very possible that you're going to experience sinking or failure. But watch. If you don't get out of the boat, you will never walk on water. And walking on water here is a picture of doing something in the power of God that you would or could never do on your own. It's a dimension of faith I believe we were all called to walk in. But most Christians never do because they don't get out of their boat. Matthew here, the gospel writer, is showing us that to follow Jesus is always going to mean you have to choose between comfort or true growth. False comfort or true growth. Staying in your comfort zone or pursuing at all costs. Taking a great risk to pursue Jesus who's out on the water. Now, there's something in us that recoils when we hear that because we are naturally comfort seekers, aren't we? And it's not wrong. We all enjoy the comforts of life. You know, it's just like anything. Comfort becomes wrong when it becomes like the only thing we look for in life. Because anything that you treat with that much value, you end up worshiping. And 
in a materialistic world that we live in, man, how many of you know, man, you just look around, all the stuff that is being offered to you is intended to make life more comfortable. So I get it. Like, what's the top-selling, most comfortable chair in America? It's called the Lazy Boy. <laughs> Some of you have it at your house. And what do we call people who sit on their lazy boy in front of the TV? We call them couch, potatoes or potatoes, right? Potato, potato, tomato, tomato, whatever. And then, you know, what do they do on the couch on their lazy boy? And, you know, I, I do this too, so don't, you know, I'm not like condemning any. What do we want to do? We, we want to take control of reality virtual reality that's in front of us, right? So we sit there and we enjoy, and it's this like picture of, of comfort, but, but it seems inviting, but, it, but it, can, it can often become something very dangerous. And I would venture to say that any picture or comfort zone that we enjoy is always inviting, but if we stay there too long, it can become un healthy, because we end up seeking comfort instead of seeking Christ, who honestly, at times I've, I wonder and question if God is really ever concerned about our comfort. <laughs> have you seen what God does to people in the Bible? Have you, have you seen what he tells people to do? This is not a God whose primary concern is your comfort. People want to follow Jesus. He says, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I'm homeless. Still want to follow? Oh, no, okay. I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me say goodbye to my family. Well, go ahead, but I'm going to be gone by the time you get back. <laughs> no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Wait, wait. You mean I can't bring my lazy boy with me as I follow you? Of course not. So, what are you going to choose? Matthew's painting a picture. Are you going to choose the false comfort and safety of the boat that you've constructed for yourself, or are you going to choose the real, true safety of Christ on the waters, which will actually challenge you to grow up? Because there are really good reasons, folks, to step out of the boat. The first good reason is that you don't grow or change for the better unless you do. You got to get uncomfortable in order to grow. I mean, guys who work out, and some of you guys who work out, some of you guys who go to the gym a lot, and stuff, you know this. You don't, you don't, your muscles don't grow by just watching other people work out. You got to sit in the, on the machine. You got to pick up the weight. And you got to experience the discomfort of that. And then, if you actually have done that, you know that you hit a plateau, don't you? You start working out. It's like, yeah, I can do this. All of a sudden, you couldn't lift 50 pounds, and now you can lift 50 pounds, right? And then you start doing, ha, ah, I can lift 50 pounds. You're looking at yourself in the mirror. Woo, look at that. Boom. You know? And then what happens? You hit a plateau. And in order to break past that plateau and keep growing, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You, you've got to 
push the ceiling that you set on your own growth, right? That's how growth works. So there's a reason to get out of the boat because if you don't get out of the boat, you're not going to grow. But there's a better reason. You want to see the better reason? The better reason to get out of the boat because Jesus is out of the boat. Jesus is on the It's outside of the boat on the water that you meet Jesus. That's a better reason. Well, what, what, if, what if I sink? What if I fail? Did Peter fail? In one sense, Peter sinking, yes, he experienced failure. But I wanted you to pan the camera back a little bit on this text. One dude took a step of faith outside the boat and started to sink. Eleven dudes stayed in the boat and did not experience Jesus on the water. You got one guy in the water experiencing failure, but I would argue you got 11 guys sitting in the boat settling with failure. Only Peter may have been scared and experienced fear and a little bit of failure and the overwhelming power of the storm, right? But what else did he experience? The presence of Jesus in the storm. And not only that, I'll show you this later on, but (laughs) Jesus does something with Peter that he doesn't do with all the other disciples who choose to stay in the boat. See? We'll unpack this in a bit. What I'm trying to say is don't get hung up on the fear of failure. Theodore Roosevelt Now, this is a long quote, but I want you to track this. Listen, he says, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man over there stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. He says, the credit belongs to the man or woman who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs or who fails who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. The credit belongs to the man or woman who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he or she fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. You know what he's saying? If you want the riches and glory and the abundance of the Christian life, you need to dare to follow Christ greatly. You need to take the risk of faith and get out of your boat. Will you fail? Sure, you will. Of course, you will. But the real question is, did you fail daring greatly? Did you fail trusting Christ deeply? Did you fail taking a step of faith forward towards Jesus? And when you failed, did you fall forward and not backward? What does it mean to get out of your boat? It means you've got to make a choice between false comfort and true growth. 
It also means you got to move from information, say information, to revelation. The disciples here are they're stuck in the middle of the sea, and they're wet, and they're exhausted, and they're probably thinking, we're fishermen, and we're scared. That's, that's fear, right? When the people who are used to seeing this stuff are scared. They're like, oh, okay, we're in a bad situation. The, the language used here for the boat, it says the boat was buffeted or harassed or oppressed by the waves, is the same language that's used um, of a demon harassing or oppressing somebody, in, in, like in the New Testament. That's the same language. So, so layer that reality on top of the fact that in the ancient world, the disciples, the disciples lived in an ancient culture that when they heard about the ocean, or they, you know, the way that they saw the sea was the sea was this sort of home for evil spirits. Okay? It was like a very superstitious world. And so, you can imagine the disciples are already scared because, the, you know, the ocean, the sea, the lake is already in, tum, you know, this tumultuous kind of storm. But then they see this figure walking, like, towards them on the water, and they're probably thinking, they're not thinking that's Jesus, okay? I guarantee you. They're, they're, they're freaked out. They're probably thinking, it's one of those, like, ancient spirits of the sea, of the ocean. It's Aquaman. You know, or whatever. It's, it's somebody that's, it's an evil presence walking towards us and they're freaking out. Their fear distorts, at the very least, distorts their faith. And so they cry out. And I want you to see what Jesus says. He says, hey, take courage. It's me. Now, in the original language, this phrase, it is I, is translated in Hebrew, I am. I am? Oh, oh, you mean the I am who, who met Moses at the burning bush? I am, that I am? Yes, that, that I am. You mean the I am that defeated Pharaoh and the legions of Egypt and all the demon gods of Egypt through ten plagues? That I am? Yes, that I am. You mean the I am that set his people free after 400 years of bondage in Egypt? That one that parted the Red Sea? Yes, that I am. What is Jesus doing here? Jesus didn't say, hey guys, don't worry about it. This is just me, you know, your teacher, your rabbi. No, no. He said, take courage. I am. And in the minds of the disciples, they're not just receiving new information from Jesus. They receive a revelation of who Jesus really is. Jesus is saying, I'm that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am Yahweh. That name that the Jews considered most holy, they wouldn't even pronounce it. They use the term Jehovah instead. I am that dude. Jesus doesn't offer new information. He offers revelation. And he says, because I am that God of your forefathers who delivered them from Egypt, you have nothing to fear. Some of you need to start looking at your situation through the lens of revelation 
and not just through the lens of information. Because we have way too much information, don't we? It's right there, sitting at the palm of your hand. Information like infinite. What we need is not more information. What we need is more revelation. Because when, when you take in all that information, and we're going to talk about this in the next series. By the way, we have a, ne- a new series coming up next week called Death to Selfie. <laughs> we, have, we have a new, new series coming up next week called Death to Selfie. And we're going to talk about all the, uh, this is just an aside, but we're going to talk about all the negative aspects of the digital culture on our lives, okay? So I'm not saying it's bad to take a selfie because we, we did a bunch of that today, even before church, right? <laughs> But, 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 but we have access to so much information, and, and you can get so freaked out by all the information that's available to you. You can believe stuff that's not even true, folks, right? We get that. So what we need is not more information. We need fresh revelation, because if all we're doing is trying to look at our storm through the lens of information, the information will tell us you are in great danger, This is not going to end well. That's a ghost, by the way. That's what the information will tell you until you realize it's Jesus. It's revelation. God's come to to show up in the middle of your storm and reveal who he is. See, that's the thing. When we're in storms, very few of us ask the right question of God. Most of us are saying, God, how do I get out of the storm? And Jesus is in the middle of the storm going, before I get you out of the storm, I want to show you something about me within the storm. So stop asking, God, how can I get out? Because in this case, folks, God is not the God of the bailout. He's the God of the walk through. He wants to walk you through the storm. And he wants, as he's walking you through, he wants to show you something that you would have never known about him unless you walked with him through the storm. Let's go. Are you ready? I'm about to preach now. Most of us are going, God, get me out, get me out, get me out. And God's going, no, no, I'm going to walk you through. So, So suspend the information. I want to give you revelation. You can get information by reading stuff. And that's not bad. Go for it. Get it all, as long as it's true, as long as it's helpful. You can get information by reading, but revelation only happens through encounter. That's how revelation happens. You can tell me I know... (laughs) You can tell me I, I, I know about my wife. Because we talk. But there's stuff that she has revealed to me, you see, in encounter that none of you will know, only me. It's the same way with God. God says, I want an intimacy with you. And you don't get it just by more information. Information is good. Information gets you on the playing field. But I want to reveal myself to you. In the middle of the storm. 
Jesus rescues Peter from his situation here. And I don't want to overstate the fact here that Peter is in a bad situation as he steps out of the boat. He starts to sink. But there's something that happens here. And this is the third point. Peter has trusted Jesus enough. He's trusted his word enough to step out of the boat. And he realizes that in order that what it means to step out of the boat is to trust Jesus enough not only that his word will come to pass, but that when it seems like it's not coming to pass, Jesus will step in and rescue him. And that's what he does. Now, here's the beauty about it, because you wonder, what is Peter thinking here? Like, why would he even make this request? Is he just trying to show off in front of all the other disciples? What's he doing? Is he being the impetuous self that he is known to be? It's hard to know what his real motive for even asking the question of Jesus. But there's a clue. In the original language, Jesus, uh, Peter says, Lord, um, if this is you. Now, that word if in the original language can also be translated since. So maybe Peter, some people say, maybe Peter's not asking if, like he's not doubting that it's Jesus, but he, maybe he's saying, Lord, since it's you, since it's you, then tell me to come out to you on the water. And I think this makes more sense because, you see, the relationship of a disciple to a rabbi is such that the disciple gets into the relationship expecting the rabbi to teach and show him everything that he can do. If I'm your teacher, then I'm going to teach you how to live life. I'm going to teach you how to view all of this stuff you see in life. I'm going to show you, watch, how to heal the sick. I'm going to show you how to cast out demons. I'm going to show you how to raise the dead. Jesus, the expectation between disciple and rabbi is the rabbi teaches me how to do stuff. And so if he's doing something, if, he, if I see him doing something like praying, multiplying fish and bread, healing the sick, casting out demons, then as a disciple, I look at that and I go, how do you do that? I want to know how to do that. Maybe Peter is not showing off here. Maybe he's saying, Lord, since it's you and a disciple is supposed to be able to do everything a rabbi can do, then, then empower me to do what I see you doing right now. You see? That makes more sense, doesn't it? So Jesus goes, absolutely. Come on. Come on. Get out of the boat into the water. And so it's great, right? It's wonderful. He's saying, God, empower me. But the request itself is still a little strange, isn't it? Because if I was Peter, I wouldn't say, Jesus, let me see, let me do what you can do here. I, I would be scared enough to be like, Jesus, just calm the storm first. Make everything smooth. Come into the boat, please. Assure us all that we're going to be safe. And then teach me how to do, to teach me how to walk that water thing. I would, that's what I would do. Peter's like, no, no, no. Watch this. Peter, it almost seems like Peter would rather be on the water with Jesus than in the boat without him. 
how about you? Even if you have to risk being rescued by God, Jesus invites you to step out of the boat. You never outgrow your need to be rescued. That's the truth. And that's a tough pill to swallow because, you know, especially us guys, you know, we, 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 we want to take risks, but we want to take really super calculated risks, right? If I step forward, what are the implications going to be? I want to know everything that's going to happen so I can control it. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I get this. Even as guys, we want to be in control. And so we don't ask people for help. We don't ask people for directions, right? Especially nowadays. I don't need directions. And then we walk off, you know. Let me check the Google map, you know. We want to be in control. But we have to come to terms that if we're going to step out of the boat, what it means to do that is we trust God. And we even trust him when it seems like what we were trying to do is failing and we're sinking fast. You need to trust him deep enough to know that he'll rescue you. Now check this out. This is the beauty of it. I'm done. Here, watch. Jesus rescues Peter. Ah, sinking Lord. Let's say, let's say this is the boat, right? Here's the boat. Peter steps out of the boat. Oh, check it out. I'm walking. I'm walking. Blah, 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 blah. Jesus goes, ah, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Does Jesus say, Peter, you big crybaby, let me pick you up. Let me take you back to the boat. Does he do that? What do you think he does? Stand up, Peter, on the water. L let me show you how this is done. I don't know if he held his hand. That'd be kind of weird. But whatever he does, Peter walks on the water back to the boat in the middle of the storm. He gets it. He learns it. He steps out of the boat. He fails. He gets rescued by Jesus. And Jesus changes his walk. This is how you do it, Peter. They get in the boat. And then what happens? The storm stops, and all of a sudden, everything in the boat, the disciples especially, are blown out of the oak. It says they worshiped. What is your boat today? Because if you're going to live life effectively for the kingdom, you have to make a choice. Will you be like the 11 who stayed in the boat? Or will you be like Peter who when he saw Jesus, okay, don't be, don't be dumb. Pastor said just get out of the boat and make it and just do some dumb thing. When he saw Jesus is the key. Will you be like Peter and step out of your comfort zone to pursue Jesus. Your boat can be a lot of different things. What's yours? Is it, is it an addiction? I built this boat 
because this is where I feel really comfortable when life gets hard. Jesus is calling you to step out of it. To recognize that it's false comfort. It's false safety. Your boat could be a place of profound misery. Like, you can get addicted to dysfunction. You you could get addicted to others' approval of you so that all you do is live life based on what others think about you. Maybe your boat is your past and you're afraid that people are going to find out about that shameful history. Because whatever you're hiding has power over you. And you're in a boat of your own ugly past, and you've never told anybody. Let me give you a word of wisdom. You ready? You can't get out of that boat until you get it out of you, until you say something, until you disclose it to someone that you tell. You've got to tell somebody. You, do, you don't just... You don't just tell the dark cloud to go away. You gotta, you gotta say something. You gotta speak up. You gotta. The way you remove the darkness of shame and secrecy is you just reveal it. And once you do, you begin to heal. Maybe your boat, for some of you, is the approval of others. Really, like your life is tied up into their life, and then maybe it's a little enmeshed. If they like it, then you like it. You know, if they like the decision, then you'll make the decision. Their opinions, their approval controls your behavior. And, and, and it's only when you step out of that. How do you step out of that? Well, for some of you, maybe you need to lovingly confront that issue and step out of that boat of other people's approval and walk on the waters with Jesus to seek only his approval. Maybe your boat is passivity and indecision. Because when you can't make any decisions, or when you don't make any decisions, everyone else decides for you, and you don't have to risk being wrong or failing. It's a nice, comfortable place to be in life, isn't it? Wow, I wish I could lose weight like that. I wish I could live like that. I wish I could be healthier like that. You can get out of your boat. Tell the person next to you, get out of your boat. Stop holding on to the wishbone and get some backbone. Make a decision. Beat back the spirit of passivity, men in the room. Get up, get active. You know why? Sometimes that's how miracles happen. Remember when Jesus called those, uh, those ten leprous men and he healed them? He told them, you know, they go, hey, Jesus, we're leprous over here. And Jesus said, go, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. As they took a step forward in the direction of, of Jesus' instruction and words, they were cleansed. Sometimes the miracles don't happen instantaneously. Sometimes they happen as you step out of the boat. 
He's calling some of you to step out of the boat. He's calling some of you to step out on the waters and conquer your fears, overcome your past, shut the door on your regrets, walk over your shame, get out of your comfort zone, and start growing. Am I going to fail? Am I going to fail? You probably will. But you will fail with, in Jesus' presence. And you'll fail greatly. And you'll experience his rescue. And you'll learn how to walk in the power of God in doing the thing that on your own you could never have done. Is that the kind of faith you want to walk in? It's your choice. Let's pray. Jesus, as we prepare to partake at your table this morning, I know we've gone a little bit over time, but it doesn't matter. Because you're calling many of us. Like, we're looking for your presence in the boat because this is the place where it feels most comfortable but you're not in the boat. You're out on the waters. You're calling us into the adventure of faith and into a dimension of faith that we can never know until we take that step, until we make that choice to leave our false comforts behind and to step into true growth and to risk failing and to trust your rescue because it's only in that place that we move beyond information about you and into revelation of who you really are so Jesus come today and speak to these places in our lives show us the boats of our own false comfort and call us out of it and Lord by your grace we say to you we will come. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.